Hello again. You there? Yep. All right, you all set? Yep, I'm all ready. All right. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Craft Business Life podcast. My name is Lee Solomon. Uh, this is a podcast all about actors and other artists and other people and how they do what they do and how their careers work and all that kind of stuff. I'm very excited about today's guest because um, uh, unlike the majority of our other guests, although we are uh, having different kinds of guests on uh, more recently and coming up, which is great as well, but unlike uh, the actors, which is the majority of our guests, um, she is a dancer, uh, most primarily, and a very experienced and trained one with of many different genres. Uh, she also does different other kinds of, um, uh, you know, uh, training and stuff. She works with something called Melt, which I'm excited to talk about, and uh, different things. So, uh, Megan Selinsky, thank you so much for coming on. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we're very glad to have you. So um, I always start by asking, you know, what your life is like day to day right now, what you're focused on, if you're working on any particular projects, if you have a day job, if you're just auditioning or all of the above, or what's, what is uh, keeping you busy at the moment? Um, right now, it's still audition season, so I am waking up every morning at the crack of dawn because women's calls are very early. Um, so on a daily basis, I am going to at least one audition a day. Um, and then I also, my side job is I teach dance on the Upper East Side. I teach little kids hip-hop, which is so cute. Um, and then... I'm hopefully going to be having my own milk class soon. That's usually about my daily life. <laughs> Great. So we'll, we'll get into all those things. Uh, in terms, it's funny, of course, this keeps coming up that it is currently audition season, you know, and that refers, of course, to regional theaters and things, audition for their kind of summer and the rest of their season now, these first few months of the year. Um but to be clear, in your case, um, you are a dancer, so are you auditioning for musical theater shows as well as, like, ballet and other things like that? Or what, what kinds of jobs are you auditioning for as a dancer? Right now, I'm auditioning for musical theater jobs, so regional tours and Broadway as well. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also doing a lot of cruise line auditions. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also doing, like I went to a Disney character call for Disney Cruise Line. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't done a lot of company dance work. The company world, like concert dance is kind of dying out. So it's not really my main focus. I love Broadway right now. So I'm really focusing my energy on those auditions. So, but like today, I went to Anastasia and there was ballet. So that's how I've been incorporating my training. Makes perfect sense. So when you say concert dance is dying out, you're talking about like traditional, like ballet companies and things that people go see. Yeah. So ballet, 
there's just not a lot of funding right now. So mm. like a concert dance company would be Hubbard Street, Alvin Ailey. Uh, luckily, Alvin Ailey is very big. Right. Um, just like local, con- mostly contemporary dance. That's what's really dying out right now in the business. There's just not a lot of funding. That's very sad. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, no, definitely. So, uh, in terms of your own back, your training and your skills, though, I mean, are you also a singer and an actor? I started singing when I moved to New York, um, because I had found out that you needed to sing to be on Broadway because I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I came from the ballet world before I moved to New York. So now I do take singing lessons. I haven't done much acting classes mm-hmm. just because there hasn't really been time to. Sure. But I will be looking into taking some more acting classes. Exciting. So primarily, yeah. though, at this point, you're auditioning for, like, the dancing ensemble or, or particular you know, dance components of, of musicals. Yeah, definitely ensemble tracks are what I'm going in for right now. I'm not going in for lead roles or, let's say, I'm not going in for Christine. <laughs> Got yeah. And, and some of the others. <laughs> gotcha. So when you are focused on the dance component like you are, you know, how does it work? I mean, I my understanding is that um, they do put out specifically dance calls, right? Calls for dancers. Yes, they do. So usually it's yeah. like a female or male call. Mm-hmm. So there's usually two calls for dancers. So they'll split us up female and males or whichever one you identify as. Of course. Um, so what will usually happen, let's say it's an equity call. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's an equity dance call, I'm not union, so I'm not part of equity right I gonna, now. I was going so to have to, yeah. yeah, I have to crash those calls. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to crash the call, what you do is you get up at a crazy hour and you go put your name on an unofficial list. Um, so that unofficial list could either be taped outside the building or there's a studio here called Pearl Studios and they'll have a list for us to sign up on at 7 a.m. Um, so you put your name on that. Um, calls are usually starting around 9.30, 10 o'clock. You go, you show up, you wait around um, until they'll tell you if they're going to see non-equity or not. And if you get lucky, you get to dance. <laughs> Yeah, so this has come up before uh, quite a few times, actually. And so for you, it's the same as for the actors and everybody, that same deal with the, the non-equity sign-up and the waiting. And, yeah, it's it's very difficult. Yeah, it's very difficult. And then they've been doing a lot of typing. So for us dancers, like 500 of us show up. They can't see us all. So they'll take our headshots resume, and then based off of that, they'll ask people to stay and dance for them yeah so again and this has come up before although you're when you say that specific number it's it's quite powerful you know people really don't realize that we're not exaggerating when we say that that many people show up for these auditions not at all spongebob they couldn't even see everyone over a two-day period because that many people showed up for the spongebob national tour 
And do they even give you any sort of information in advance about what type they're looking for? So at least if you know you're really not the right type, you don't bother showing up, or they don't say anything about it till you get there? They don't say anything about it till you get there. You're lucky. Wow. Like, for instance, beautiful, you know the cast is all ethnic, then you kind of know those kind of things, but for the majority, they just are on their casting notice, all-inclusive. So you can't really tell. You just have to show up and get lucky. Incredible. So, uh, and you've been in New York doing these kinds of auditions and things how long now? I've been in New York for, this is my fourth year. I've only really started making auditioning like my full-time job since about September because I graduated from college in last May. Oh, okay. So you you were here in New York for college. Yes, I was here at Alvin Ailey. Great. Um, So I was there. I did a three-year program with them. I did their certificate program. And I graduated in May, so we weren't allowed to audition Mm -hmm. at school, so we had to do it on our own time if we didn't have class. Gotcha. Well, we'll definitely get into that. I want to hear all about how that training was for you, but in terms of the auditions, I know you haven't been doing them that long yet, as you said. Have you had any success with anything yet? I haven't got a final call. Mm-hmm. Like with a contract yet, but I have made it to the end of I made it to the end of the Disney Cruise Line audition mm-hmm. uh, for characters who also dance. Mm-hmm. Um, so Disney doesn't you don't hear back from them until like a month before the contract starts, and mm-hmm. the next round of contracts only starts in June. So it's just a waiting game right now. Yeah, and then I also got um, all the way to the end for it was like a princess call. For um, the company's RWS, they cover lots of like theme parks, cruises. Um, so you just kind of have to wait when you make it to the end. Yeah. And I've gotten like a few callbacks in between. Nothing has come out of it, so none of um, my friends have gotten hired either. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's ridiculously difficult. Um, yeah. But you know, doesn't mean you should stop trying, and doesn't mean it's it's not going to happen. Of course. Um, so, you know, you have a, a, a versatile uh, stylistic dance background and training, and uh, I assume that these different Broadway shows and things, uh, as well as the cruises, um, you know, some may have, as you alluded to earlier, more of a ballet-style focus, some may be tap, modern or any combination thereof, right? Do you find that you really have to be proficient in all the different styles? Yeah, absolutely, because they could start with a ballet cut, and then the second time they ask you to dance, it could be Mm hip-hop. So you have to be able to do all of it now. That's why also I started singing, like I said earlier, because we need to be able to do it now. We have to be actors. We have to. They're even taking it to the next step. They want us to have tumbling skills or special skills of some sort. So it's now we're quadruple threats. (laughs) Incredible. And if, you know, again, I, 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 I'm, I'm sure you're great at all of it, but if, if you had to be put on the spot to pick Mm -hmm. your specialty or which style you have the most 
experience with, what would you say? 100% ballet. Ballet, okay. Ballet. Um, second to that would be, like, jazz. Like, nice. jazz slash musical theater. But definitely, ballet is my foundation as a dancer. Very cool. And, you know, I've asked um, singers this in terms of their singing voice, so I'll ask you as a dancer, you know, especially... Mm-hmm since you are having to run around, go to all these auditions, as well as uh, your other, your jobs, your teaching, and whatever else you're doing and running around the city, um, for not only general fitness in life, but also to keep your dancing ability constantly up, as well as avoid injury and, 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 you know, hurting yourself or exhausting your muscles and your joints and all that kind of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. how do you make sure to take care of yourself and, you know, do whatever you need to do in terms of a regimen to keep yourself physically, you know, fit, safe, you know, that that you can do these things when you get to the auditions. I'm sure you have to warm up and everything, you know. What's your physical routine to keep yourself in general shape and in dance shape and avoid injury and so forth? Um, so one of the main things which we'll also get into is melt, which is a self-treatment technique. So mm-hmm. that has saved my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been cross-training over the years. So while I was having 14-hour days, I would do strength training in between. So... I really love Pilates. I love yoga. Um, I really got into HIIT for a while, like HIIT workouts. Um, but what's really convenient for me is I have a gym in my building, so I would just go upstairs and do a warm-up up there. Um, so I'm very fortunate to live also near where I was training at Ailey. Um, so I make sure I'm fueling my body with the right foods, like eating Tons of fruits and vegetables, having some protein. I always start my morning with eggs. Um, and then when I'm not dancing, I make sure I rest because rest is ultimately where your body will recover. Um, so taking Epsom salt baths after dance, using a foot massager when I wake up and before I go to bed, um, and then trying to get eight hours of sleep is also um, what I need for my body. And then as you're saying with these auditions, I get up probably a half hour before most live for auditions. So I have extra time to warm up. I'll do abs, squats. Like I do a workout before the audition so that I don't pull anything. I don't get injured and I can run from call to call and I'm warm and ready. Absolutely. And the hit you mentioned earlier, that's high-intensity interval training, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, th- I find those to be excellent workouts, too. Um, in fact, uh, and let's talk about the melt, because uh, obviously this is another part of your career. As I mentioned, you are an instructor, and you said you may be opening your own studio, and clearly it's a big part of your life and career. And you just said that you use it yourself. Um, yeah. so obviously it's, it's the real deal for you. So I know a little bit about, I actually had a personal trainer who used some of it with me uh, a while back, but explain what it is and what it's for and why it's great and why you love it. 
<laughs> awesome. No problem. Um, so I actually got into it because this was like three years ago when class pass was huge. I had just saw it coming off the plane. I was like, oh, a roller class, sure. And so I go not expecting anything to a class called no. And I was like, what is this? And then after the class, my body has never felt better. And I was like, oh, my God. So, so hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt okay. you. Just just to clarify for people that may not know, class pass, that's this thing now where gyms let you kind of take a whole bunch of different classes, right? Yes, for a set amount um, per month. Right, exactly. Okay, sorry. So go on. Yeah. Um, so the teacher ended up being in the business. Um, her name is Marissa Merlis, and she became a mentor to me, and I just started showing up to class regularly because I saw these crazy changes. I wasn't in pain anymore, and for some reason I could dance better. So that's what really got me started in though, and I wanted to learn more about it. So I took it regularly for two years. I never had a major injury at Ailey. I mean, I get granted aches and pains. I was dancing 12 hours. No major injury. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I want to get certified to teach it. So um, I am now, a, which I'll explain to you, a roller instructor, and I use the there are softballs and hardballs. So what MELT is, is a self-treatment technique to stimulate hands-on body work. So MELT was created as homework for the creator's name is Sue Hitzman. She created this as homework for her patients to stimulate her hands-on um, technique. And Sue Hitzman is a sacral neuromuscular therapist and a fascia researcher. Um, so she's a genius. <laughs> And so what it is is you do some sequences and target different position points with soft foam rollers or with softballs and hardballs. And what it does is it rehydrates your connective tissue, which is your body's fascia. Um, and fascia is what holds our organs together, which holds our nerves. It's kind of like the layer underneath your skin no one talks about. And it's still fairly new to science and people don't know much about it and it's really exciting what is to come with all this new research um, and so what MELT does is because you're rehydrating this connective tissue it lowers your recovery time, it makes your muscles fire more efficiently it helps decrease pain and it helps with inflammation. So it's great for people with arthritis. Um, it helps stabilize you and protect your joints, your muscles. And I've kind of fallen in love with it. I want to share it with the dance community because it helped me so much stay out of these injuries and stay active and show up every day to an audition and be ready to dance. It's really incredible how she created this homework for her patients like there's no science behind it now she has it all the science behind it but yeah it's great absolutely and so just to be clear though it's not a workout it's actually a yeah. recovery and self-care technique yes so the hardest move you will do on this roller is a plank so that you could um target your quads 
so you could get the stuck stress out of those quads. <laughs> and stuck stress is like sediment in a river that accumulates. Like, you know when your muscles are really tight and you, like, roll it out and it feels like you're frying? That's not what melt is. You don't cause pain to get out of pain. So when I say stuck stress, it's just like your everyday life just making your muscles tight or you feel like you have a knot. Yeah. Cool. So you're you're in the process now of trying to open your own studio for this? Not my own studio. I want to get like a weekly class started. Oh, okay. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, eventually a studio would be nice <laughs> as well as dancing, but that's in the future. I'm still young. <laughs> Absolutely. Very cool. So at this point, um, you make your living from teaching kids and teaching melt and everything. You don't have a, a unrelated day job at all? Um, no, I'm actually from Canada, so I have to work within the field. So you know what? I apologize. I forgot. I knew you were from Canada, but I forgot that part. <laughs> and that, that came up with, I think it was Haley, actually. Yeah. Yeah, um, also Canadian. She's right, so, so we should explain. <laughs> that's right, that's right. We should explain. One of my previous guests, uh, you can find her episode of the podcast, Haley Oster, is actually a friend of yours, coincidentally, and she's also a dancer and also from Canada. And that's right. She did tell me that about how, and then we already talked about that, how it's so hard because they limit you guys. And But on the other hand, as I said to her, it forces you to be really motivated and focused to succeed in the field. So, you know. No distractions. <laughs> exactly. That's for sure. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, very interesting. So, yeah, let's go. Let's get into your background and your upbringing and everything, and then we'll get back to your training at Alley and so forth. So uh, you were born and raised in Canada. Yeah, so I was born in Montreal, Quebec, mm -hmm. Canada, so the French part of Canada. Yeah. I am bilingual. Um, French is my second language, though. Mm -hmm. um, I can still speak it. I still comprehend it. Um, and so I'm the oldest of seven children. Wow. Um, which is fun. <laughs> and two dogs, so oldest of nine. <laughs> <laughs> A nice big family. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I grew up dancing since I was three years old. And, um, my story is a little rocky though, because I'm actually not supposed to be walking. Um, what? when I was nine months, I couldn't walk properly. I would, my, this is what my parents tell me. Obviously I don't really remember. I would do this funny thing with my feet and kind of like turn them inwards and fall over. Mm -hmm. I guess, like, what would be, like, kind of like pigeon-toed walking? Like, very strange. So I actually had to go to a hospital called the Shriners Hospital. Yeah. Um, And they put me in cast-like shoes for five years. My mom said they looked like nursing shoes. Mm-hmm. Like the white, ugly nursing shoes, and they were, like, a cast for my foot. And I had to wear those for five years, and... In order to take dance class, I would just take them off for the hour because I was only three years old. And um, I'd get to do ballet. Um, and my mom had said that if she had asked the doctors if I would walk or even dance, who would have laughed in her face? Um, so that's where I started just 
defying all odds and being like, you know what? I want to dance. I want to walk. Like, I'm two years old. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> well, well, wait. So this is this is really interesting. So, so let's let's yeah. be, let's be clear here. So, you were having difficulty walking, and they put you in these mm-hmm. shoes. So, yep. was were they putting you in dance classes because of this, hoping it would help, or? My mom wanted to treat me like every other little girl. I see. And you wanted to take the dance classes anyway. Yeah. yeah. And do you think that somehow the dance sort of compensated and ended up helping you fix the issue? Or what do you think happened? That's what I think, because I can't really remember it. Sure. <laughs> it was so long ago. Yeah. Um, but I think so, because dance has is targeted on such specific muscles. Yeah. And these might have just been so weak on me, that could have been why I couldn't walk. Wow. And so I'm assuming, I can't scientifically prove this, yeah. that because I kept dancing, I just overcame it. Because, I mean, five years is a long time, but I'm walking now. I don't need anything. So, I think it just helped me build up strength I didn't have. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe you somehow instinctively knew you needed that. But but mm-hmm. that's really incredible. So, over the yeah. five years, uh, from when you were two to when you were seven, is that what we're saying? Yeah, roughly. Roughly that time, you were taking the dance classes, but outside of the classes, you were wearing these these shoes, and gradually, the issue kind of corrected itself, and eventually, after the five years, everything was normal again. Yep, I was taking Incredible. ballet and classes like everyone else. And since then, and now, obviously, you don't feel abnormal at all in your walking and your legs and your feet nothing is is strange for you no. or anything i mean i am bow-legged but that's just been my bone structure and bow-legged is when your the lateral muscle not muscle sorry your lateral bone on your knee pokes out and turns in mm-hmm. so my knees don't touch when i'm oh. standing straight mm-hmm. um, interesting. Yeah. Well. that's the only thing i don't know if that's directly related to my not being able to walk. I never asked the doctor, Mm -hmm. but it could be. But I've learned how to build the muscles around being bow-legged. Wow, the whole thing is an incredible story and and certainly (laughs) happy ending on on several levels, so that's great. Yeah. So then uh, after that, just as a kid and then as a teenager, you just continued your dance training? So, yeah, I was a recreate recreational dancer at a local studio like back home in Montreal until I turned about 11 years old mm-hmm. I read an article about a ballet dancer who was going to study at Royal Winnipeg Ballet which is in Winnipeg in Manitoba in Canada and I was like I remember turn, running down to my dad saying I want to do that <laughs> so I actually attended their summer program that year. So I think I read that in like March or something. And then I ended up going to their summer pro- program in August mm-hmm. for two weeks. And then I was like, you know what? I want to be a ballet dancer. 
Um, so I joined the competition team at my local studio for three years. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, so that's how I decided I wanted to take dance seriously as a career, because mm-hmm. otherwise I was just dancing, like, each style once a week, so mm-hmm. maybe four classes. Mm-hmm. Very minimal. And were you able to also have a normal high school life, though? Were you also, you know, doing well academically in, in high school and so forth? Yes, I was so lucky. I had an amazing headmaster. So in Quebec, where I'm from, high school is grades 7 to 11. Mm-hmm. So I was in high school when all this was happening in grades 7 and 8. Right. Mostly 8. And as well, I was in a teacher training program at that dance studio, too. So my headmaster, if I needed to do an extra private lesson, he would let me skip lunch and go home. And if I needed to miss a period, he would let me go train. It was incredible. And I was a straight-A student. I did very well in school. Fantastic. I would stay up until, like, 3 o'clock doing homework, wake up at 7 and start my day again. Well, good for you for being motivated to do both and not just saying, oh, you know, screw high school. All I care about is dancing, um, even though you may have felt that way. Um, you know, <laughs> I so. had my parents there to tell me what was right. <laughs> and I yeah. loved my school. I had a great high school. <laughs> no, that's great. All right, so then you graduated high school, and then what happens? Actually, I did not graduate high school in oh. Quebec. Um, I moved away from home when I was 15. Mm-hmm. I got accepted into a ballet program called Nutmeg Conservatory for the Arts in Torrington, Connecticut. Oh, that's right. So I have actually, so I technically graduated there mm-hmm. because I had enough credits because you guys go to grade 12 to graduate technically a year early. Right. That's where it gets a little confusing. Sure. Um, but yeah, so I moved away from home at 16, and I lived in the dorms in Connecticut for three years. I did strictly ballet for three years. Okay, so actually you did get to spend part of your high school years uh, doing mm-hmm. dance. There you go. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. So, online school. Yeah. one year. Yeah, so clearly you were, you were already all about it, as we said. And I should back up, so with your big family, with all your... Now, you said you're the oldest of the seven kids? Yes. The okay. last two were twins. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's how that happened. So, obviously, you didn't have any of them to look up to since you were the oldest. Yeah. Um, but ha- And they're, they're obviously all different, you know, relatively young, different ages still at this point. But, well, first of all, were either of your parents in the arts at all? Funny, no. My mom was a nurse and my dad owns a garage door company. <laughs> what kind of company? Garage doors. Oh, garage doors. Gotcha. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and then have any of your siblings, uh, since you followed in your footsteps at all? Any, any dancers or actors or anything? Yes, everyone did grow up dancing, minus my one brother. Um, I have two brothers, but only one of them did not dance. He did hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, none of them have shown any interest of doing professionally. Um, some of the older ones don't dance anymore. Um, but my youngest sister is actually in gymnastics. 
So there's still artists in the family, and there's definitely performers. One of my sisters is an amazing actress and singer. Even the youngest one's an amazing singer. So there's definitely genes. Clearly, that's but, fantastic. And so that, that one sister can teach you those tumbling skills you need, you said. Yeah, and she's nine, and she could out-tumble <laughs> me like crazy. <laughs> so, so that's awesome, and clearly your parents felt that exposing all you guys to dance was important. Yeah. That's well, great. The only one that got out of it was my brother, one of my brothers. <laughs> he got cool. lucky with hockey. <laughs> and that that actually brings up an interesting point, too, which is I think most people, when they think of traditional ballet dance, uh, they think of mostly female performers. And I think right. everybody knows there are some, you know, male ballet dancers and, and so forth. Um, oh, yeah. In general, you know, how, how, what would you say the gender ratio is? Is, is there a lot of a men? Are there a lot of men in it or? I'm, my, my, I'm not being very clear with my I'm not being very clear with my question, but what would you say about the role of males in dance? <laughs> um, I'm not gonna lie; they have it easy because there's not that many of them. Right. Um, in the ballet world, it's even slimmer the amount of men there are. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole ratio, uh, not very high. Right. <laughs> like 10 girls to one guy, maybe? Yeah, yeah. If we're just talking in a school environment, at Ailey, I had seven men in my graduating year, which was the most I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, musical theater, there's definitely more men because they can be actor-singers as well. Right, right. But in the dance world specifically, there's not that many men. Yeah. Uh, no, it's true. I guess that's just traditional. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, for various reasons, it's not something that uh, as many guys are, are, are interested in. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, she's okay. She's so, yeah, sure. So this program you did in Connecticut then for those three years, uh, tell me more about that. Yeah, so um, the first year I did online school in the morning I would take ballet class around two o'clock and then I would have rehearsals until about eight um and so while I was there I got to do the nutcracker which was so much fun Mm -hmm. classic Mm -hmm. I got to learn different ballets so I did lateral feed I did sleeping beauty which is a popular one Mm mm-hmm what other ones have I done? I got to work with a professional company called Momex. They've done stuff in the Olympics. They do a lot of, like, props um, and, like, all sounds of dance. And what else? Yeah, so it was, like, amazing training. It was only ballet, though, um, minus working with that other company. So... It was a lot of work. <laughs> I was in point shoes a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. And is it, uh, was it competitive and was it, you know, very strict? Were there people that would get cut? Things like that or? Yeah. So you have to audition to be in the school. Mm-hmm. So already the competition is high because it's not that big of a school. The training's 
amazing. Um, they used to be like one of the top ballet schools in the industry. Just now there's so many. Um, they've had some really amazing dancers come out of there. And uh, yeah, so competition while I was there, we weren't incredibly big for school. It was still relatively small, but we had enough for two levels of dance. So probably like 50 p- kids total. Mm-hmm. So kind of medium size, I guess. I don't really know. <laughs> but, but yeah. But were there people who would get cut? At you know, like were they? Would they? You know, did you have to keep up with with certain things and and you know things yeah, like that? Definitely. Mm-hmm. So they would place you in a different level according to your dancing ability every year, mm-hmm. and you would have to not necessarily audition for the roles. Like we didn't go into a room and audition, but based off your level, you would have the chance to do different roles. So if you wanted to be Snow Queen, you would have to be in the top level and learn it. And during those rehearsals, show the directors that you could do it. Yep. Um, so I got to do a couple solos, which was, fun. I got to be like Santa soloist and Marzipan soloist. Never got to do Snow Queen, but it's okay. <laughs> I could do the snowflakes. Um, yeah, so I did a lot of roles in Nutcracker, and that was kind of how it was for all the shows. You had to be in a certain level, and then during the rehearsal process, when you're learning it, and you would do it in smaller groups, they would choose who gets the role. And that was about the environment. And did you find that you guys generally all got along with each other and supported each other, or was it more you know, competitive? Do you want the lie or the, the truth? <laughs> I, I want the truth, Megan. I want the truth. Always. I came out of that school with one close friend. Wow. And a couple friends. Wow. <laughs> well, in this case, you were living with the same people 24-7, Mm-hmm. Different age groups. I was on the more mature side. Um, so I was one of the older ones, I guess. Mm-hmm. And living with the same people 24-7. We did not all get along. Sure. I did get bullied at one point. Really? Um, what happened? That group of girls just, they were the popular group and I wasn't because I don't really care to be popular. I was there to dance. Gotcha. Work hard. Good for you. So, you know, along those lines, too, you know, you, you seem to me, just from talking to you for a little bit, like someone who's always been pretty confident. But during the course of, of this school or any of your training, did you ever feel, did you ever feel like you weren't oh, yeah. good enough? Or, or were you ever overwhelmed or anything like that? Absolutely. I thought about quitting many times, and really? I almost did. Wow. <laughs> I, almost, especially once I finished that school, mm-hmm. I applied for normal colleges, and I got in. Mm-hmm. But um, until I got into Alien, that changed it all. But until then, I know uh, I definitely wanted to give up because this kind of ties back to the first story. I don't have 
nowadays what you call the ideal ballet body because mm-hmm. of my bone structure. Mm-hmm. In ballet, they want sticks who are tall and have hyperextended legs, which is when your knee goes back. Right. Not a knee that always looks bent, even though it's not bent. Right. Um, so I did not get rolls because of, like, my legs. Um, that was, I've had teachers tell me, too, I'm also thicker belt, like, in the sense of I have muscle. And in the ballet world, they don't really have muscle. They're just skinny. Right. <laughs> I mean, they have some long, lean muscles, but I have thighs when everyone else didn't. Um, and so... What was I saying? Yeah. So that and teachers telling me to lose weight. I was already 100 pounds. I was like, what weight do I have to lose? Um, So it was just kind of like a toxic environment in the idea of ballet. So being in the toxic ballet world really made me want to quit. I had many people tell me I'll never make it. Sounds brutal, yeah. Yeah, like the directors told me that I'll never make it. Like they'd have conversations with you. They'd be like, stomach in, stomach in. And I'll be like, okay. <laughs> and they'll pull you aside and be like, let's talk about your future. I don't think dance is for you. Wow. Like, oh, wow. Okay. I have actually had this experience, unfortunately, at every school I've been to except for Ailey. Um, so. Yeah, so, my local studio stopped helping me, which was not nice. <laughs> no. So, so, how did you overcome these, these, you know, these challenges and these, these times when you were made to feel like you weren't supposed to be there? Um, so this is where it ties into New York. I had never been to New York before moving to the Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And my dad had taken me into the city for a weekend. And we went to see Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with that show. I literally fell head over heels. I went home, downloaded the album. I actually downloaded the 25th anniversary album, which um, Sierra Bogus, which is a Broadway performer, and Ramin Karimloo were on there. So I started researching them. And Sierra Bogus, who is the lead, uh, who played Christine and Phantom in that cast recording, she had a mantra called, you are enough, you are so enough, it's unbelievable how enough you are. So through finding Andrew Lloyd Webber's show, Phantom the Opera, the music is transformative, I think. And hearing that message, I was like, you know what? I can do that. I was like, I love that. I want to do it. Oh, that's and why that, you have that's why you have that quote on your website. Yes, I because see. it's kind of what saved me. Yeah, it was kind of like, wait, no, 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 don't listen to them. Like you can do it, and it was just, I guess, because Phantom also had ballet in it. Mm-hmm. Like the dancers in it are ballerinas. That's probably what just put the two worlds together for me. Wow, really a really poignant and and sort of perfect perfect moment. So that so that's what inspired you to keep going. Yep, wow. I have, I'm looking at Phantom the Opera poster on my wall right now. <laughs> Incredible. That's so that's and then your next step was Ailey. Yeah. So as I was 
trying to move on. Graduating from this school, I applied, like I said, from normal colleges. I got in, but then I wasn't really getting into some dance ones, but I did get in some dance colleges. But I was like, I don't really want to go to their summer program and maybe get into their year-round because that's what you would have to do for some colleges. Mm. You'd have to go to their summer programs, which they have over the summer, and then they would decide. Right. And then I was like, you know what? I want to audition for Ailey. I didn't get into their BFA program with Fordham. Complicated story, but it has to do with being Canadian and um, the SATs. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I had to do the SATs, but I only found out a month before the SATs. So, like, I never prepared for an SAT in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't know what those were. Yeah. Um, until I moved here. Right. We do not have those in Canada. Right. But I had gotten into their summer program. So, I was like, you know what? Let me just go for one last time, try to be a dancer. And I got accepted to their certificate program that was three years long. Phenomenal. This was like my last straw. <laughs> and did you find the training at Ailey to be, you know, just a similar or more advanced continuation of what you were already doing, or was it very different? It was very different in the sense of it was all styles of dance again, and I, that's where I started. That's where my love of dance started. I love ballet because I did it yeah. for like three years professionally, and I was like, I just don't like the environment and I miss doing jazz and like tap. Like I missed it. And so the training at Ailey is phenomenal. That's like, they're top in the world for a reason. And yeah, my goodness, the classes are no joke. (laughs) That's for sure. Yeah. So the best shape of my life. Great. So, so again, similar to, or maybe even more so as your previous place, you know, again, was it challenging? Was it competitive? Were people were people getting cut or quitting? You know, what was the culture like? Oh yeah, yeah. So my program, there were a couple of people who did not graduate with us. They quit along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, the competition level is insane there, um, oh, especially sure. because we're in the same building as all the company members too. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's a fun constant reminder. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, I've had, like, Misty Copeland come take our class at Ailey before. Um, Misty Copeland, the principal ballerina with ABP right now, mm-hmm. um, is, in case someone's not aware. Yeah, so the American, competition American, level, ballet, American Ballet Theater. Yes, and competition level there is crazy. My graduating class was the biggest that program had ever seen, and we were only 25 people. Well, that's the biggest graduating class I've ever had, so it just shows how competitive it is to get in to the school. Yeah, and at the same time, though, it must have been pretty exciting that you were in that building with the company and, you know, that you guys were all part of that same, you know, that same institution. That must have been very exciting. It was very exciting, and especially, I'm also, as everyone where I'm minority at the school, I am white, and it was just crazy, like, I felt, like, so honored to be there, like, um, like, I loved it, the facility's amazing, the teachers, the training. 
So I, I actually didn't realize that. Explain that about white. White is the minority there. Yeah, um, Alvin Ailey was founded by Mr. Ailey himself, and yeah. it started as um, yeah a colored company, and that's how they became so famous. Like through Revelations, which was his, I guess his most famous piece. Right. That if you ever know Alvin Ailey, you've heard of Revelations, or at least seen the pictures. Right. And he was the first one to really create a black company, and I think that's what makes them so special is like they're diverse and not a lot of places are and so they hold on to that legacy so got it I'm well, minority I'm, there. I am quite embarrassed I didn't know that I apologize no, that's, okay. that's great so <laughs> yeah. was it any different though in terms of you know, were you still getting that same kind of negative feedback you were getting in Connecticut or not so much no, not so much like Connecticut. Um, Connecticut was also kind of like high school still a transitional time for right. many people. Right. So a lot of my classmates don't dance anymore. They're doing different things. Mm -hmm. But at Ailey, we were all kind of there for similar goals. Um, like, majority of those, my classmates do want to do concert dance and work with us the Ailey company, um, but I was there because the training's amazing, and yeah, I mean, I would love to be in the company, but um, I'm not really the type they're looking for, which is okay. I want to do musical theater anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, for people that train at a place like that, you know, mm -hmm. what are the different possible career paths after? I mean, obviously, there's ballet dancer, there's musical theater dancer, there's dance teacher, choreographer, I assume, right? What 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 yeah. else do people that train in a place like that end up doing? Oh my goodness, the alumni from the school are incredible. Like they're doing everything. Mm -hmm. Like there's some people in definitely on Broadway. I mean, no. most of my teachers have all been in Lion King, <laughs> film and TV, commercials. Some people are working at the offices now at Ailey. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's kind of like one big home. Yeah, like. If you've gone through Ailey, like, you're always an Ailey baby, is what we say. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I, if you go on Alvin Ailey's website, um, the school, they actually have an alumni page. So you can see what all the alumni are doing. It's insane. Like, casting directors, directors yeah. have their own organizations, have their own companies. Like, the list just goes on. Yeah. And, yeah, and let's talk about how dance can be used in in uh, on-camera genres, because obviously everybody knows about ballet and musical theater and stage stuff, but uh, right. you, you mentioned about dancing being used in, in movies and TV and commercials and whatever, and you've done some mm -hmm. TV and film dancing yourself, haven't you? Yes, I have. Um, I actually was just in a movie that will premiere in Times Square, actually, in June. Great. I was one of the featured dancers. I had, like, a little ballet solo, and we did a modern class. Nice. Um, I had a couple lines, which is fun. Nice. Um, and then I also did a music video with the Broadway cast of Chicago, which was, like, a party. It was so much fun. <laughs> and, of course, yeah, I forgot, music videos as well, naturally. Um, 
So, you know, it must be, well, not must be, you tell me, but, you know, performing on a stage for a live audience is one thing, but the process of filmmaking a dance scene, you know, like any type of filmmaking, I'm assuming can be pretty laborious, having to do it many different times, many camera angles and so forth. Oh, yeah. It's a whole day extravaganza to do one scene. Right. <laughs> um, when I did, when we were shooting, like, the ballet stuff for the movie, we were there for six hours, and we had only done that one scene. Mm -hmm. So we had to do it over a two- to three-day period just to get those I don't know how many are going to make it in the final movie clips, but yeah, it's a long film and TV is just long and no one tells you. You can be on set yeah. for 10 hours yeah. to get oh, yeah. 10 seconds. Oh yeah, absolutely. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one tells you no. these things. <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, that's another example. And we talked about this earlier, but I want to get just a little more specific with it, which is, you know, clearly to do what you do, again, you have to keep yourself in terrific shape, both as a dancer and just in general. And um, obviously you're someone who, who likes to do that anyway. But, you know, you mentioned that you, you know, about your diet and so forth. You know, I'm assuming you have to be pretty strict with all that kind of stuff. You know, tell me about the dietary aspect and you know, you know, is, is it challenging? Do you, you know, do you have some system for yourself where you have like a cheat day in terms of food kind of thing? Or, you know, what, what's, what's your dietary and health kind of general, you know, plan? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I am actually gluten free. I do have celiac disease. Oh my gosh. Um, Wow. So I do have to eat gluten-free for a living. And I also had a peanut allergy. So really? You, 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 you have been, you, you, uh, you've had a, some <laughs> tough, uh, some tough cards dealt on you. Yep. I was told I had celiacs when I was 15, actually, just moving away from home. Wow. But luckily, I did go to Paris and eat all the baguettes right before I went gluten-free. So I'm not missing it. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so yeah so because of that my eating habits have changed over the years because mm -hmm. growing up you don't really think about it right um i only really started thinking about it once i got diagnosed with celiac mm -hmm. um and so when i first started in the ballet world i did suffer from an eating disorder wow nothing nothing full-blown i just didn't eat much I ate, but not anything substantial, because that was the environment I was around. Now, looking back, I'm like, I wish I could just shake myself out of it, because um, yeah. I created an unhealthy relationship for, with food that I didn't have before. Sure. But now, it's, I've had it, so like you can develop it again. Luckily, I've changed my mindset around food, and now I'm like, give me all the food. So <laughs> yeah, so... I struggled with an eating disorder, not for very long, um, for like a year, like my first year in the, like, the real ballet world, mm -hmm. but I came with that really easily, like, it was just so good, like, give me some bread and butter, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So luckily, though, now there's a lot more options for me to eat because at the time, this is what, five years ago? Mm-hmm. Not even. 2006? Yeah, like seven years ago, there weren't that many gluten-free options. Right. Um, and so I couldn't really eat out much with my friends just because no one really knew what it was. Yeah. Luckily, now it's in the media. Everyone knows. But at the time, like, I was restricted because nothing, the only cereal I could have was checks. There was, like, two types of bread. Um, so once it started becoming more commercial, I guess, mm-hmm. that's when I really started. Mm-hmm. So I let it enjoy food again. Um, and now I, my philosophy, my quote-unquote diet, other than gluten-free, is... I'm going to eat that donut if I want it. And then the next thing I put in my body, I just try to make it healthier. So if I have a donut for breakfast or something, I'll just follow up with like a green juice or a smoothie or a salad. Um, yeah, and, you're, yeah. and you're, also, you're also working out all the time. Yeah, I'm burning so many calories that right. eating, well, dark chocolate's amazing. <laughs> Everyone should eat dark chocolate every day. But... Um, Eating that's not going to affect me. Like, I live a very active lifestyle, so I don't limit myself on what I can or cannot eat now. Um, I just try to be smarter with my choices, which naturally we should be. Like, of course. If I feel a little bit one energy, I'll go have some fruit other than, I don't know, people have candy. I don't like candy. I like chocolate. But mm-hmm. instead of making unhealthy choices, I'm like... Yeah, I feel like fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, you know, it's funny. Again, you know, I'm sorry that, that all this has happened to you, but sim- similar to similar to the thing about how your Canadian visa restriction forces okay. you to be more motivated to do dance, it's kind of like that when that this gluten-free um, man- oh, yeah. mandate forces you to be more strict and healthy with your diet, right? Absolutely, because I can't eat anymore. Like, right. I can't go to McDonald's, I can't go to Taco Bell, so uh, also, I'm not the only one in my family. We, Everyone except for two people has celiac. Really? Um, wow. Complete and utter shock. We shocked the government, actually. So obviously, there's a genetic factor there. Yes. I assume. Yeah. So it's carried on. So no, and it's funny because you, as you said, it is much more well known and in the media and so forth these days, which is true. But mm-hmm. I think there's still a lot of confusion about it, and I also think there's a lot of people who don't understand what it is or think it's just people making it up. So let's let's help educate people a little bit. Explain exactly what celiac disease is, what gluten is, and how all that works. Yeah. Of course, yeah. And, and I'm sorry, just, just, just to, to be clear to start, there are people who choose to be gluten-free for their own reasons. It doesn't mean they have celiac disease. Yes, that is true. Right. So, here's the main three. I, I call them my own three categories. So, there's celiac disease, celiac and, or gluten intolerant, and then there's people who just choose to eliminate it. Exactly. So, 
Gluten itself is the protein found in wheat, barley, and rye. Mm-hmm. So those are the three grains that have this protein called gluten. Yeah. So someone with celiac disease, we'll start with that, it's pretty easy. If I ingest it, it attacks my body. Yeah. So different from an intolerant, if you're intolerant, you attack it. But uh-huh. with the disease, it attacks me. Yeah. So in your intestinal lining, there's these things called villa. So your villa, they it's what absorbs the nutrients from your food. So someone with celiac, what happens when I have wheat is it attacks my villa and slowly they start to diminish in size. So I actually have a rare case of the disease. When I was diagnosed, I had no villa. So I was malnourished. So mm. I wasn't get, getting any vitamins, nutrients. I was getting nothing from my food. I could have eaten whatever I want and not digest any of it. Wow. So going on a gluten-free diet, if you eliminate the thing attacking your body, then you can grow back the villa. Yep. So with a normal celiac, it takes six months for your body to regulate and become normal. I would call it normal. Whereas my body took four and a half years. Wow. Which is not normal. I can't exactly tell you why because the people in Boston, that's where the majority of the research is done for celiacs, they know about my case. Obviously, I'm a file number to them. But my case is being studied because it shouldn't have taken that long, so I don't have an answer, but I'm healthy now. Well, that's the most important thing, and that's that's amazing <laughs> that it's being studied. That's great. Yeah. Um, so, right. So the only combat to people who have this is to not eat the stuff. Yeah, that's it. That's all you have to do. Eliminate it from your body. What I tell people is if you're intolerant to gluten... It's the same thing as being intolerant to milk. People understand that. So when I say it's like having a lactose intolerance, they're like, oh, I get it. So it's just the way people are phrasing it. Like, if you understand what lactose is, then you understand what gluten-free, like, intolerance is. Sure. Like, gluten intolerance is. Yeah. And so, go ahead. I'm sorry. And then the last one. I'll just kind of tie it in, is um, people who just choose to live the lifestyle because they think it's healthier because um, humans were actually not made to digest wheat. Over evolution, we started to digest it, Um, which people will argue with me with, but this is science. (laughs) I can't argue with it. Um, And so... Right. Eliminating it, I don't... My philosophy is if you don't have to eliminate something from your body, don't. Because your body, you might not feel great on it, but need that for some reason because you can digest it. My body doesn't need gluten to function. It's telling you to get it away. It's like people aren't listening to their bodies. They think, oh, my goodness, because I lost weight, I need to stay away from gluten. I need to stay away from dairy. Um, But with gluten... Actually, gluten-free foods are higher in calories. They're not as filling. That's why people think it's 
healthier because you don't feel heavy when you're eating it. But they don't realize there's actually double the calories in my bread. That is one-fourth of the size of your bread. Oh, I see. Well, and again, the people that choose to do it, as and along the lines you were just explaining, and I think this is part of where the sort of confusion or conflation comes in, it goes along with the low-carb lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so again, people may choose that for health and weight loss reasons, and I do think, I actually happen to believe that, that lowering carbs is a good thing anyway, but... Um, at least the, the, those those kind of carbs, but um, yeah. this is becoming sorry. This is becoming the this is becoming the diet podcast. Sorry, but but the point is people people confuse it with the low carb thing because it's you know it's it, it has similarities, but obviously it's very different when it's a uh, an actual gluten intolerance. So uh, just to to put a fine point on it too, though. So you mentioned again that it's it's technically wheat, barley, and rye, but other than the new gluten-free products that now exist, gluten-free bread, gluten-free pasta, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all types of regular bread have gluten. It might not be called wheat bread, it might be white bread, but it's mm-hmm. still made from wheat in that sense, right? Yeah. So any any kind of traditional bread, pasta. Now what about rice? Rice is okay, right? Yeah, rice is naturally gluten-free unless you add an ingredient that is not. Yeah, so actually come to think of it, if you're a gluten-free person and you want something that's more filling like a carb, rice seems like it would be a good choice. Yeah, pretty much everything's made from rice or corn <laughs> in gluten-free world or right. potato. Right. Or potato. Those are like the three main ones. All right. Well, thank you for that that lesson and that little uh, tangent there. But uh, that's no, it's it's an important topic. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm glad you're you're doing well with everything, though. That's that's thank really, you. It's excellent. Yeah. So um, so let's see. So uh, you finish up at Ailey, and then you, and then you're here in New York. Well, you said you just graduated back in May, was it? Last May. Yeah, back in May. So, uh, like Haley was saying, we're on a visa. Right. My visa started um, last July, so I had to wait between May and July to do anything. And so you're auditioning. You're doing your thing. Um, by the way, it's, it's a little different with you guys because of the visa restriction, but we can still talk about it, which is, you know, adjusting to life in New York, dealing with money, budgeting, uh, and so forth. How have you found, you know, how have you found that part of your life? Challenging. Luckily, I have parents who are super supportive, so... They'll cover, because rent here is ridiculous, yeah. they'll cover the rent, and then I'll just cover everything else. And again, it's, it's not your fault that you're not being no. permitted to work day jobs to make more money. You know, that sucks. Exactly. And, like, years ago, they weren't as strict, but there's new laws, and they're really cracking down. Because before, you used to be able to say, oh, working at, Lululemon is in fitness world, so that's in my world. Right. But now they're saying no, which 
this stressful just specifically in New York City because there's no place like it with the cost of living. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you are from originally uh, Montreal, right, you said? so. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a pretty big city, isn't it? Yeah, it's a metropolitan city. I was from, actually, so, you know how the suburbs are off the island in New York? Yeah. The suburbs of Montreal are actually on the island. It's okay. called the West Island. Right. It's pretty, so it's on the west of the island. Um, we're from a place called Ballard de Zymo, that's our city. So Montreal itself is also an island like Manhattan, but mm -hmm. it's just bigger land-wise. Mm -hmm. So we have a downtown core just like New York, full of all of it. <laughs> and then instead of the suburbs being off the island, they're on the west of the island or east side of the island. Yeah. And, uh, you know... In addition to Montreal, of course, in Canada, there's Toronto and there's, um, um, Vancouver. 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 That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and there's a lot of TV and film that's made there and other things. Um, do you think in those cities or in Canada in general, um, there's opportunity for dancers? You know, would you, would you be able to have a life and career in Canada or, or, you know, or, you know, not, not as much as New York, I guess, obviously. I mean, there's no place like New York, yeah. but no, in Montreal, we have two ballet companies. Mm -hmm. That's it. There's no TV and film industry there. I mean, yeah. huge production, like, X-Men film in Montreal, but right. there's no opportunity to be in those movies. Right, right. Um, Toronto's the only one with some TV and film, but it's not... Everyone thinks there's a lot of musical theater there, but there's not. Like, tours just go through Toronto, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like one of their stops. Right. Everyone thinks there's musical theater there, but there's actually not that much career dance opportunities. Gotcha. We have ballet in Canada. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, so, what, you know, ideally for you, what, what, how do you see your, how would you like your career to go? What, what would you, you know, what, what's your biggest goal and, and what would you like to see happen for you in the coming months and, and years? Um, my ultimate goal is Phantom to be a ballet dancer in the ensemble. And oh, yeah, that would, that would bring it full circle for you, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yep. That's like my dream role. Like, if I'm offered that role and any other role on Broadway, I'm going to that one. Mm -hmm. I don't care what the other roles are. Don't care about the pay. I don't care. That's what I want to accomplish in this lifetime. <laughs> and then my... I guess more future goals, like in the coming months, is to just keep auditioning, hopefully get a contract out of it. Um, but I also need to have split focus on getting my next visa because the one I'm on only lasts a year. Mm. Give you a year to find full time work <laughs> as a dancer. Which is, which, which is, which, that is so not enough time. My God. Yeah. No. Um, this is, you know, where people don't realize that people fresh out of science school, they give them two years to find a job, 
which is unfair because let's be real. If you're coming from the sciences, you have a job when you graduate. Yeah. You don't need two years to find a job. Yeah, that's 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 completely backwards. Wow. Oh, completely. And whereas for dancers, they're giving us not even a year because I have to. It takes about six months to get a visa. I only have twelve months to find work. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So that's no. where I'm focusing on my near future goal to get the visa. Um, but even though it's a three year visa, they could only give it to me for one or two years as well. Um, yeah. So I'm that's, going through that process. That's like my yeah. short term goal. Get mm-hmm. a dance shot. I'm not being picky. Cruise line, character, whatever you want. Yeah. Um, so that I could gain this next visa. And then once I get this next visa, I'm shifting my focus to Broadway 100%. Nice. Have you had any chance to go to any calls for Phantom or not yet? I have. They're just yeah. not hiring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who is hiring right now? I would, I would love to know that. that would be- <laughs> <laughs> please, please, please send Megan an email if you're hiring. Um, if you're hiring, you want to Dance real, you know. <laughs> no, I, it, it, yeah, no, no, really it, it really is incredibly hard for all the reasons we've discussed and more, and especially in your case. So I just, what can I say? I just wish you all the luck and success, and you know, thank you to figure it out. So, um, and of course, you're with all your brothers and sisters and parents. Everyone is back home in Canada, right? It's just you over here. Yeah. Just me. I've been away from home for seven years. Wow. But you have you've gone back to visit though, or no? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah of course. <laughs> it's That's... only Montreal is a forty five minute flight. Yeah. Like it's not long to yeah, get so that, there. That's... That's Canada so far. <laughs> no, exactly. That's good at least that you're in that part of Canada. But um but yeah, no, it must be tough, you know, to be to be so away from all of them, yeah. Yeah, I miss I missed out on a lot of things, but we mm-hmm. love and support each other no matter what, and they know that. Yeah, it's so when I go home, I just disconnect from the world and just have family time. Good for you. That's great. Um, so one last question, which is, you know, you allude, you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the times you were struggling during your training and getting that negative feedback and so forth, and also your your colleagues uh, wanting to compete against you rather than support you. Um, and you talked about certain specific challenges in your case. But in general, if you were counseling or mentoring a young dancer who is, you know, where you were then and having similar struggles and insecurities and, you know, second-guessing her, her, you know, her deserving to be there and so forth, what would you, what would you tell her? What kind of advice would you give her or him? Um, well, the first thing I would tell them is you are enough and not, I would try to like, I would not say show them, but mentor them and show them like, who cares? Like, if you love dance, don't stop because someone's telling you otherwise. If you love to dance, just show it. Like, who cares what everyone else thinks? Like, I wish I had someone telling me like, who cares what they think? Just do it. Um. Because ultimately, I'm the one doing it. They're not. (laughs) And you can prove them wrong. Like, you don't know what you're capable of until you try. And, like, 
I had to work harder than other people. So just keep working hard, and I think you can achieve anything you set your mind to. Well, that's that's uh, that sounds uh, like great advice, and that's a beautiful note to go out on. Uh, this has been really this has been really interesting and really enlightening on a lot of different levels. Um, thank you so much again for coming on. Um, do you want to share? Of course. Do you want to share any of your own social media, your website, or anything? Sure. My website and my Instagram is just at Megan Polinsky. My website is MeganFluency.com, and that's where I'm most active on, on my website and Instagram right now. Yep, and of course, Twitter is my name, too, but Mm -hmm. I don't really use Twitter. (laughs) Got it. And, yeah, we'll post all these things in the episode notes. Um, And uh, just, you know, because your name, for example, is spelled M-E-A-G-A-N. But, again, we'll we'll post everything in the episode notes anyway. and uh, if people are interested in, in this melt thing, where how where would they get started or find more information about that? So you can actually find more information on my website. I do have a melt method page. So I have just like some simple FAQs. I have my contact information if you want to Perfect. schedule a consultation, mm-hmm. um, have a private lesson or a group class or a mm-hmm. work event. Um, mm-hmm. And so I also have the products there if you want to buy them. And just email me if you have any questions. My contact information is on my website about Melt. Perfect. Sounds great. So, again, we'll post all this stuff in the episode notes. Uh, Megan, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Good luck with everything. And, um, you know, just uh, keep doing doing what you're doing. And uh, I'm sure that... uh, you know, that, that you'll get to do uh, all the things you want to do. And ne- next stop, Phantom. Yeah. <laughs> I hope someone <laughs> from Phantom's listening. <laughs> and uh, if anybody listening has any questions for me about the podcast or anything, you can email Craft Business Life Podcast. That's all one word. Craft Business Life Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, until next time, thanks, everybody. Bye. Great.